0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM
1: 89.3. Now, ASEAN leaders have begun their annual summit, but without Myanmar. This after its military refused to send a representative to the three day meeting in protest over the exclusion of its top general.
0: Mm, and this was a deal he agreed upon with ASEAN in April to end a bloody. Political crisis triggered by the coup, and the snap was a rare bold step by the regional grouping, known actually for its non-interference and, and engagement. So, a bit of a change of tone here from ASEAN.
1: Mm. ASEAN, of course, is also due to hold talks with U.S. President Joe Biden, as well as other world leaders, including China and Russia. And also on the agenda for opening day yesterday, three separate meetings between the ASEAN leaders and representatives of the U.S., China, and South Korea. Uh, to talk more about this. We're joined now by leslie lopez regional correspondent at the straits times good morning leslie i'm here hi good morning thanks for joining us this morning leslie now one of the biggest issues dominating the summit of course is climate change an economist has gone so far as to say in a separate commentary that asia can play a key role in reaching zero emissions perhaps we could start with that what were some of the other key issues that we ought to be paying attention to from the summit
2: you know um, climate change clearly is a big big issue and uh, I know Asia especially, you know, which ASEAN is part of can play a key role. But I think the, the worry and the concern is the region's continued addiction to coal, you know, because the transformation to you know trying to be coal free, zero emissions is painfully slow. The addiction is a serious issue and I think it's something that it needs to be dealt with seriously. And especially from ASEAN dialogue partners, you know, the big countries like China. You know? So these are some things, these are things that I think will, uh, will continue to dominate the conference in, in the issue of, on the issue of climate change.
0: Leslie, talking about dominating the conference uh, one of the headlines also um, really making it big is how US President Joe Biden is going to be involved this time and of course in recent years we have not had such a big presence from the US and he's already said he's going to announce a $100 million initiative meant to beef up US relations with ASEAN Uh, what can you tell us about the significance of Joe Biden coming to ASEAN
2: I I think uh, this uh, compared to the Uh, Trump presidency that uh, kind of was kind of nonchalant about, you know, uh, getting involved in the region. The Biden administration really sees that it needs to have a presence. And this uh, video conference call that he's going to have with ASEAN leaders is important. It shows serious shift in how U.S. views the region, actually. And as it continues to, you know, deal with China, China's growing presence here, So the U.S. really feels that, you know, it needs to have a kind of presence, show that. And this is showing ASEAN that, you know, the grouping remains very, very relevant. And I think the U.S. wants to engage with them more effectively, you know, in in a more transparent and uh, more open manner.
1: Now, Leslie, here's the thing. Myanmar was a no-show at the summit, at all the meetings that started yesterday. Uh, This, of course, after that snub to the junta. One thing that was notable was that neither Brunei nor any of the other member states made mention of this at all. What does this silence really signify?
2: Well, you know, I think, you know, Myanmar has always been an issue with ASEAN. It was admitted in mid-1997. And at that point in time, the uh, Western countries and particularly US and European countries uh, were against ASEAN admitting Myanmar because of its record of suppressing democracy. But ASEAN felt that you know it, it didn't, didn't want to be dictated by other countries and felt that you know it should have embraced Myanmar rather than it fall to China's orbit or if it were excluded. so and also Myanmar is a resource rich country. Uh, ASEAN countries thought it would complement the growing economies, actually. But now, I think things have changed over since then. And ASEAN feels that it needs to be, you know, it cannot tolerate Myanmar's uh, continued record now, following uh, its refusal to, you know, to, to come up with some kind of peace accord with those who are protesting against the uh, military takeover. So I think this is... This is something very, very important that ASEAN is doing. ASEAN is at the crossroads, and I think this is an interesting move. It has got major ramifications moving forward the way ASEAN is abandoning its, you know, its cherished principle of non-interference from before. So this is clearly making a stand, making a very, very crucial stand for ASEAN.
0: This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode.
1: As you mentioned, you know, it is very crucial, a huge departure from their usual doctrine of non-interference. But how do you see this panning out moving forward in terms of Myanmar-ASEAN relations, in terms of tensions in the region as a whole?
2: Well, I think you're going to see a lot more countries, especially countries with links to Myanmar. I'm sure ASEAN is is going to put some kind of Pressure on China and say, look, you know, you have, you have latitude with with uh, with Myanmar. You have to get them to, to come to some kind of common ground. And I think these these uh, diplomatic efforts are going to intensify in the coming months. And you're going to see ASEAN becoming more and more proactive, actually, engaging and getting Myanmar to to some kind of, you know reaching some kind of solution, resolution with the with with the people who are against the government.
0: Now let's say still on Myanmar, we on a related note have a newly appointed UN envoy to Myanmar. And she's a Singaporean, Doctor Nauren Hazer. She will be assuming her role officially on december thirteenth. And she's quite well known in her in her humanitarian work and even recently published a memoir. What can you tell us about her upcoming efforts with Myanmar, considering that her predecessor was actually refused access to Myanmar. What will her you know, to-do list and immediate challenges be like?
2: Yeah, you know, it's interesting she is uh, the, of the Singapore connection. She was also the uh, late husband of Fan Yu Ting, you know, who was uh, DAP acting secretary general for a long time. I mean, Madame Hezer is a very, very prominent figure and her appointment clearly is a positive uh, signal I think Myanmar would uh, well advised to you know to to accept her appointment and engage with her, you know, and for opposition of and I think that would be positive. And clearly, this also shows that you know the the UN is bringing someone from the region, well known with uh, her efforts and uh, to promote to peace. She was in Timor Leste before, and I think this is a positive move. And you know Myanmar would be well you know well advised to take a, embrace a position actually and take on, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks very much for that, Leslie. We're, of course, talking to Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent with The Straits Times. Continuing the conversation, Leslie, something else that's making headlines is the possibility of an ASEAN travel corridor. Indonesia is calling for a broader reopening to spur regional travel, and this might be a fitting way to do it. But how are the other member states responding to all of this? I mean, I'm sure they're concerned about details like, would this be conducted in phases? Uh, What should travellers be... Be prepared for is any of this even feasible well you
2: know i think countries will be responding to it cautiously so would travelers but you know given the impact on the economies in the region everyone i think all regions that are dependent all countries that are dependent so much on tourism hoping to kind of cash in or rather take advantage of the year in travel you know, and no one wants to be left up so this is something where countries will have to weigh economic needs versus health being cautious about the impact on the health of the citizens and i think like i said people will be moving cautiously but we are seeing this as countries generally open up there is this pent-up notion to want to travel Mm. and i think we're going to see people taking advantage of this everyone's been cooped up for far too long and there is this the spent-up urge to get out there.
0: You know? Yeah, Leslie, talking about moving cautiously, Yes, now a threat of the Delta Plus variant, and Thailand has detected its first such case. How could this put a span in the works for Thailand's bold reopening plans?
2: Well, you know, I think there's only one case so far. So we we really need to, to watch this. The Delta variant Plus is supposed to be, could be more contagious than the, than the other, uh, other variants. Mm. So... We have to watch wait and see, watch, and I think for countries around the region, it is going to be producing confidence building measures for potential tourists it's how you handle these the any new outbreaks, new variants, and people are going to watch how effectively governments deal with this, so that's going to be key you know so I think tourists will go to countries where they feel confident that the governments there, the health systems there can cope and that really is will be the determining factor actually as we open up
1: Mm, Considering what we've been going through for the past almost two years, I think cautious optimism is a very, very big improvement Uh, Thank you very much for that, Leslie Leslie Lopez, regional correspondent at The Straits Times The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Google Podcasts
0: and our audio app That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.